Hello, welcome uh, to another episode of Behind the Scenes with Nosheen um, podcast and I'm your host um, and today my guest is Pooja Shah, um, a successful British South Asian actress, um, best known for her role in the popular UK soap EastEnders um, as well as the hit movie Bender Like Beckham um, and also the BBC drama series Missing um, and the Doctor Who spin-off. Um, thanks for joining me Pooja um, and it's great to welcome you as a guest on the podcast. Um, so to start off tell us um, I guess a little bit about your background and how you got into the arts industry. Yeah so I've been I've been a professional actor for over 20 years but um, I always was interested in it from a very very young age. Uh, actually I started it all started by accident uh, I was about 12 years old um, and I was at a friend's house from my secondary school and her dad was a theatre director and he was direct he was doing a rehearsal in his living room and me and my friend just kept annoying him in his rehearsal. I didn't know what a rehearsal was at the age of 12, but what I know is that we kept running into the, the front room and he was getting irritated by us. And he threw us a, a play, a Chekhov play, Anton Chekhov, and it was a three-part play. And we realized it needed a third person. So we found another friend of ours and her mum dropped her off. And it was just three girls reading this, this play for fun. And I was reading the part of the father, so I was playing a male man in his 50s when I was a 12-year-old Indian woman. Wow. And uh, her older brother, my friend's older brother, walked past and saw the three of us doing this. And he, he just went, there's something in this, watching three young girls who aren't even teenagers yet practicing this Chekhov play. So he, he actually started rehearsing properly with us. Wow. We ended up learning the parts. And he put it, we put it on for a week at the University of London Arts Festival. And every night it was sold out. Um, because it was just a bit of a novelty thing. We got press coverage from it. I mean, I wasn't paid for it. It was just more experience. And afterwards, I was like, people do this and make money this way? Um, and that's it. I, that's when oh, I was like, I need to that. Yeah, I think I know what I want to do when I grow up. And that was it for me. Wow, what a great story. And um, where did you get your um, support from, like your support network? Um, was it somebody you admired um, during those early stages in your career or... Um, you know, was it somebody else that, um, somebody part of your family or part of your network or somebody, you know, just in television generally? I'm the first person in my family to do anything like this professionally. Um, so it was good in a way because I was sort of learning as I go, but it was also hard because I didn't have anyone to ask advice from. Um, so it was kind of, you know, just figuring out as I went, I made mistakes, I learned from them, all that sort of stuff. But I, I was very lucky that I had extremely supportive parents who the, the compromise for them was, get a degree, we don't care what in, just get a degree. <laughs> the compromise was I got a degree in theatre. Um, but they were always supportive. My mum, you know, she ended up being a teacher, but she always danced and sang and did all Amdram. And at the age of 65, uh, which was six years ago, my mum retired from her teaching job, did an intensive drama course, and she's now an actress and a model. How did you um, manage like your kind of career and how did you manage being in the spotlight, especially, um, I guess, after Bender Like Beckham? So did EastEnders come across after Bender Like Beckham then? How did you yeah, so I found I, I, Bender Like Beckham was my first job out of university, actually. And at the time, we didn't really realise that it was going to be as big as it was because it was considered a low budget film. Yeah. Um, as I said, um, Gurinder Chadha at the time wasn't that well known as a director and most of the cast weren't known either. Um so we didn't actually know it was going to do as well as it did. But when it all kicked off and Bend It Like Beckham became this epic film, I was actually living in Spain at the time because I was filming another TV show. Wow. So I missed all the hype. 
around it and people were telling me going it's massive over here in the UK like the, <laughs> you know, everyone's going crazy for it but I, I missed it all because I wasn't here I still love the fact that 20 years on because it's been 20 years since we shot it oh, that people still watch it people still talk about it and it was groundbreaking for you know for, for in cinematic history uh, an Indian film like that being that successful and challenging uh, stereotypes or you know breaking the and actually Yes, this character, Jess Pumra, wanted to be a footballer, but that's symbolic of anyone that wants to go, I actually am a person first before I am, you know, a, a religion or a culture or yeah. a skin colour. I'm a person, I have needs and wants too. And yeah. it was just really refreshing to be in, and very, I'm very proud to be involved in something like that. Wow, amazing. That sounds but so It was after that that the fame came, yeah. It was EastEnders yeah. was a few years ago, and that's when, that's when my life just changed. Completely. And how, how did you, um, I guess, how did that come about? Like, did you have to go through casting? Um, was there a few different people going for the role and then you uh, obviously were successful? Like, how, what was the process? Yeah, so often when they do families in soaps, they don't just give you, like, one audition and bring you in. If they want a family, they kind of, you know, you do something called workshop processes. So you you know, to mingle with different actors just to see if the chemistry's there and if it works as a family unit. Wow. So I had, it was about eight months on and off of, of workshops and castings and not, not intensely eight months, but it was spread over an eight month period. There was a few workshops and every time my agent said, oh, you know, you, you're into, you're almost like X Factor, you're in the, into the next round. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, okay, wow. And, and I, I wasn't, when I first got offered the audition at the time, I thought, well, this is a pipe dream. Like, every single female brown actress in the world is going to be going up for this role. So I didn't really expect it to happen. And then I remember when I went to a workshop and there was me and there was two other actresses. And I said to the casting director, oh, how many rounds are you, you know, how many rounds of people are you seeing today? She went, no, this is it. It's out of you three now. Wow. And that was the night I was like, oh my goodness, I actually have a shot. And I went yeah, home yeah. and I didn't sleep. I just didn't sleep. <laughs> Because it suddenly became real. Um, but it was just, it was such a lovely process. And obviously Amit Chandna, who was in Bend It Like Beckham, um, he was also played one of my brothers. So when I saw him at some of the workshops, I suddenly felt more comfortable. Yeah, having a Because I knew him and I, you know, it was it was a bit familiar. Um, but then, yeah, I just, I remember when I got that that call, it was, yeah, I think I just didn't speak for about 10 minutes. <laughs> wow. And how did you manage that um, kind of fame that you were you were mentioning that came after EastEnders or while you um, started, I guess, appearing in the episodes? It's crazy because you, you have a very brief media training. Um, I don't know if all soaps do it, but EastEnders did it for us. And they basically was prepping you going, it's overnight. You're in everyone's living room four nights a week. They're going to think they know you. Um, it, you you know you it's it's going to be hard to even just walk down the street and I was like yeah 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 that's fine that's fine didn't realize that it literally was that and it happened overnight I mean wow. I'd only been in about three episodes before I I just was walking down the street was stopped by everybody um going into my the supermarket was mental trying to get on on the train was it was just crazy and yeah it it, it was just weird because I remember just thinking why 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 are you looking at me why are you staring at me like is there something <laughs> and it took a while for the penny to drop yeah um, oh yeah they've I've probably on their telly yesterday <laughs> um, it, was, it was a really strange thing and I think family and friends if I was ever out with them to suddenly have a lot of attention on us they found it a bit some enjoyed it others not so much so it was just a bit of a weird thing like how do you manage your like work-life balance like how like especially um I guess now like in your career like how do you manage that well, you should be telling me that. I mean, look, you're full time. 
Like you've got a little one and you look glamorous. I don't even have time to put makeup no, on anymore. <laughs> telling you, like this this was literally um before this recording 10 minute thing, like just trying to get on Gosh. what I should. <laughs> I wish I could do that in 10 minutes. I'd be a very happy lady. <laughs> I think for me, because I don't have a nine to five, um, my hours and my days are quite flexible and they're quite random, which can be brilliant in some ways, but it can also be extremely limiting in others. My husband is um, he's a camera operator, so we're both self-employed. Uh, and often there's weeks we don't see each other. Other times there's weeks we're just together at home with nothing, you know, no work going in on. Um, and we just have to figure it out day by day. So I, I look after the work diaries and the childcare diaries. Wow. And I just juggle. And actually, you know, one of the perks of having an Indian mother, one of the many perks is she pretty much steps in and is a third parent. <laughs> Without my mom, I don't know where I'd be. She she Aww. just, like, whenever I'm like, mom, she's like, I'm there, I'm there. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm already on my way. <laughs> I'm on my way. I'm on the motorway. Yeah. Um, and what do you do for your like mental well-being then? Like, do you take time out? Husband and I are very into board games. Okay. Now, I don't mean board games like Monopoly or Cluedo. I mean. Yeah, that's what came to my mind, Cluedo. <laughs> no, I, I, we like the, the geeky ones that when you lay it out, it takes an entire dining table and yeah. takes about three hours to play strategy games. Um, but we actually really enjoy doing that in an evening because it's, as you know, you know, when you have kids, it's so much harder to even just have a date night or have quality time alone with your partner. So we often sit and watch a film or watch Netflix, but for, for us to sit and play a game and do something, it feels like we've got a date night at home. Um, and that got accelerated during the pandemic when you couldn't go anywhere. And we found that, you know, we, we still go out for meals occasionally, but our favorite thing to do, which is doesn't cost anything. We don't need childcare. They're just upstairs and we're downstairs is geeking out to board games. Oh. Um, and then the only thing, other thing I love is just, I'm a holiday queen. When I'm on my holiday, I'm genuinely looking and booking the next one. <laughs> book it, I book it on before I've come home. And my husband just looks at me when I've got this, look on my face and he just goes oh, that's holiday face you've booked another holiday haven't you I'm like, <laughs> and are you are you basically the main admin person in your kind of like family like you kind of overlook all of that and make sure everything's as it needs to be because I definitely am I don't know if you enjoy it I hate it but I also enjoy it at the same time I, you know, that's me you've just described me I have a I, I constantly whinge about the fact that I have yeah. to do everything but then if he tries I'm like stop it no, you don't know what you're, you're not doing. Gonna do it right. How do you juggle like parenthood? So working and as you've mentioned with little ones, um, I mean, I know that I definitely always have like mum guilt. So I return to work after like my maternity leave and I've been working full time since, if not more hours than full time. Um, but and I consciously have consciously like have that in the back of my mind, like I'm not spending enough time. How do you kind of deal with that? Do you ever have that going yeah, through? It's funny because I do I do have mum guilt on occasion, especially like this week I've been away for work. I, I went off on uh, Monday morning and I only got back last night, so I didn't see oh, the kids all okay. um and I you know and that that was it was hard, but you've got to do what you've got to do for work. But what I try to do is I try to work as much as I can during their term time. Um, so that they don't notice as much that I'm not around in the evenings so that I can say no to work during school holidays. Uh, so I do my best to keep half term, summer holidays, Christmas, all that completely free. So if they're home, I'm home. And I make sure that on the weekends we pack them in. Like we we do stay at home sometimes and I will just back to back be playing games with them or doing arts and crafts with them. Or we will just have play dates or go to the park or drive down to the beach for the day, anything, I will make sure that I more than make up for it when I do have time with them. And that helps alleviate my guilt. But tell me about some of the, I guess, biggest surprises that you've um, experienced in the industry. 
you know, everyone talks about um, LA. You've got to be in LA pilot season. Really? You know, you're gonna- <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So there's certain times of the year in America where different things happen. So pilot season is when all the pilots for all the sitcoms and TV shows get oh. shot, which is like January to kind of March. And then there's like movie season and all this. And I, after EastEnders, because I was so recognizable in the UK, I thought, let me go over to LA for a bit and see what life is like out there. So I had an American agent. I went to LA. I, I lived there for a few months. And I just suddenly had this moment where I was like, I don't want to live in America. And if I get a job here, I'll live in America. Um, because in my head, it was like, go there, do some jobs, come back. But the reality was any of my friends that have gone there and have had success, which has been brilliant, and they've just never come back. Right. Um, so I just had this moment going, actually, I want to be near my family. I want to have kids in England. I hadn't met my husband at that point. And right. Yeah. So I was there for three months and that was one. And that was a, that was a weird thing. Cause I always thought, Oh, if I got to LA, I'd, that's it. That's the dream. That's where I'll be. But it wasn't for me. Do you think it helped like living in the South to kickstart your career? Like, do you think it would have been think, different if you were living somewhere else, like in the West Midlands or, you know, up North? It's funny as well, because I was thinking about this the other day because Recently, with the Black Lives Matter and all that sort of stuff, the term white privilege is being used a lot, you know, where people, um, white privilege doesn't mean that white people have anything to apologize for, not at all, but they have the privilege of never questioning the color of their skin being the reason for anything. It's the unconscious bias, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. and it's a wonderful thing. And I I am a female, I am uh, Asian, but there's also a lot of privilege in my life that I think I I, I didn't really pay attention to until I started analyzing myself. You know, I'm not from a poor background. My parents worked very hard to make sure I had a really nice life growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I live in uh, in London, which is like, well, you know, I grew up in London, which is considered one of the lands of opportunity. So I think I was extremely privi- privileged with a lot of opportunities being based down here. But I, I think now... Um, that shouldn't deter anyone live anywhere, do anything like travel. If you've got, if you're living in a random little village up where you consider the middle of nowhere and you want to be an actor and you get an audition, get on that train and travel six hours to do it, you know, just do what you need to do to make it work. I was just very lucky that I lived somewhere where I didn't have to go very far to, to meet people and, and, you know, have castings and stuff. Yeah. 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 I think it helped though. I think it did help my location with me being able to sort of get around and do what I need to do. But anyone anywhere can do it. You don't have to be based in the South to work in the South. And I guess um, being um, a person of colour, a woman of colour, like, have you felt any barriers or anything, um, you know, in your, like, experience as being an actor? It's funny, but you just reminded me of a time that I did an American series. This was when I was living in England. I wasn't living in America. It was before I moved there. Um, And I did one episode of an American show And we were filming it in France. And I went out there and I remember sitting in the makeup chair and I was playing an Indian servant of an Indian princess uh, who swapped, the characters swap roles and swap identities. It was quite comical. But I remember sitting in the makeup chair and the makeup artist gave me a middle parting and split it and did plaits. And uh, I just said, oh, okay, I don't, you know, that's fine. Is this the hairstyle that you want? And they went, well, you know, the character's Indian, so yes. And I said, what do you mean? And they went, well, Indian people have middle partings and plaits, don't they? And I was like, well, I'm Indian, and I don't always wear my hair in a middle parting and plaits. 
And they went, no, that, that's how Indian people wear their hair. And I remember thinking, this is oh my, my person telling me how Indian people wear their hair. But it, because it was so early on in my career, I didn't challenge it. And that's one of my regrets. I wish I'd challenged that and said, hang on a minute. Don't, I don't think it's oh, right. That you're yeah. you know, so you know, being, a, being a South Asian woman as well, you feel at times, especially I did early on in my career, that if you do challenge, people will be like, who are you to challenge? Uh, I guess that was part of the white privilege thing back in the day, but you never questioned it. We didn't know that was a thing. But I used to sometimes feel like I could be replaced like that, you know, and I was made to feel on some some jobs I've done that, you know, don't don't give us attitude or don't step out of line because you 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 are replaceable. Um, whereas I'm not sure if other you know members of the cast would have necessarily felt that. Uh, so I was quite scared to stand up for myself. But the older I got and the more I educated I became about certain world issues, the more I just went, you know what? Don't, don't, don't be disrespectful to anybody and me. And, and I stood up for myself. And that's actually why I do now a lot of coaching and facilitating. Do you? You know, when I'm in acting roles. That's what I do. Yeah, that's that's what I do when I'm not doing any other acting work. It's, it's in the corporate world. And it's teaching people about diversity and inclusion and equality and unconscious bias um, and, and things like that. Because I want to raise awareness. I want to help people identify what's happening in their organizations and how they can better themselves and better their their culture at their work so that's what I do and I think that's probably why I'm so passionate about it now because of things that happened when I was younger yeah what I'm going to do now is ask you a few questions where our listeners can get to know you I guess a little better so a bit like a fire round what movie or song do you think sums up your life I like Back to the Future because it shows you know you go back you mess with stuff you can actually <laughs> ruin everything um I think that's probably the film and um I love that song I love you baby every time I hear that it puts me in a good mood <laughs> <laughs> that is a great song great one to pick and what wouldn't people know about you um I guess by just looking at you um that if I wasn't an actor I would probably be covered in tattoos and piercings really yeah uh, do you have any tattoos or piercings? I do I have two tattoos I'm getting a third one in um a few weeks um I've had in my life I've had my tummy pierced twice I've had my nose pierced six times uh, and I've had five uh it, piercings on my ears but unfortunately, a lot of them just disappeared because of what I do. Uh, but if I wasn't in this business, I'd probably have a lot more piercings and a lot more tattoos. <laughs> Very interesting. I'm sure like, um, you know, the BTS Noshin uh, listeners are really going to enjoy just listening to your career journey and just really be inspired by your answers. So thank you so much for taking the time out. Um, how can people connect with you, I guess? Um, and are there any upcoming uh, projects that you want to share with the listeners? Um, yeah, there's a film coming out on Netflix later this year called I Used to Be Famous. I have a little cameo in it uh, playing the best best friend of the lead uh, actress. So that should be out later this year on Netflix. Um, I also haven't started shooting yet, but I'm shooting a, a pilot for a TV series, a six part TV series. But we're shooting the first episode at the end of April and the beginning of May. Um, but I will be keeping uh, everybody on Instagram uh, or uh, Twitter updated with any progress of that but um, I'm on Instagram on Pooja Shah 08 uh, and if anyone wants to reach out and ask me anything or say hi then message me on Instagram I I always do my best to reply to everybody that I can
Um, this uh, podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Podbean, and also YouTube. And you can also follow, I guess, myself, Nosheen, uh, on Instagram at BTS Nosheen. Um, so do leave um, a rating as well and a review. Thank you so much, Pooja, for taking the time out. Um, and yeah, have a great, I guess, a great holiday if you've got one coming up. Um, you'll have to post yeah. pictures on Instagram. Um, I will, yeah. I'm off to Africa in three weeks. I'm off to Are Africa you? in three weeks. So, so um, yeah. I will be posting some pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Pooja, so much.